This podcast is brought to you by Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. All right, you have to come back up because everybody wants to know about Dallas. Dallas is hot. They're already running air conditioners. You have to stay in the shade. Even though they say you don't have to wear a mask, you still have to wear a mask when you go in any place or they look at you funny. Um, yeah, Dallas was great. I, I wanted to mention too, we um, received, Lori sent, we got a box of her books. And if you, um, for those that weren't here, or even if you were, just a reminder, if you pre-order her new one, you get one of these for free. If you pre if you have other people pre-order it, then you get one of these for free. So like, um, I gave five to Brittany already this morning because she has five pre-ordered. So if this means anything to you, you want to do that. We've got a case of books that came in. Um, but Dallas was, <laughs> wow, um, one of those you pray and bam, instant. You pray and instant, just prayer. So many healings, so many people. Uh, we were at Catch the Fire Dallas, our sister church, I guess you could say, doing um, healing teachings last weekend. So we, we met with their leaders Friday night, and then um, we taught all day Saturday and then Sunday morning. And just um, even after we got back, the testimonies continue to, to roll in, just message after message of, uh, I've been asking God for something for years, and then you prayed it over me yesterday, and then it happened last night, and it's just, it was just him, <laughs> just God, you know? We stand in awe. He's just so good, and so we're doing uh, the same thing the end of April in Catch the Fire in Orlando, at Catch the Fire Orlando, and Catch the Fire Tampa. They're going to come up and join us, and after Dallas, like, we're just, the expectations are really high. We know it's going to be amazing, so um, precious people. Many, you're going to meet many of the women in June from Catch the Fire Dallas because they already were booking their flights <laughs> to be here for the women's conference. Lauren and John that... Um, lead Catch the Fire Dallas now, she has the most powerful voice, and she's going to be coming and singing um, with the team, just precious people. We felt at home, like, you just got to love the body of Christ. You can go anywhere in the world, and you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm home. These, these are my peeps. <laughs> so, yeah. Amen. Yeah, John that leads the church down there is... Uh, Without him even realizing it, he is the quintessential uh, marketplace apostle. They own a huge body shop that everybody they hire, every single person that works for them is saved. Every person, they're not hiring to save people, but everybody that comes there gets saved. On the whole other half of the building, they own a whole mechanics shop. And same thing there. And then they own a uh, boat repair place that does fiberglass repair on boats, on high-end bass boats and stuff like that. And everybody that works there has been saved. 
the boat repair place is attached to what most people would call a little dive store, you wouldn't really think. Uh, anything, if you walked into it, if you saw it from the outside, you wouldn't think this is anything special. It's one of the top professional bass fishing boat stores in all of North America. People come from Canada, people come from all over the United States to buy their lures there, to buy their fishing poles there, to buy their boats there. And when we were there, they were doing a boat show that had been delayed all year because of uh, COVID. And 70 to $150,000 boats in the first day on Friday, they had sold like 45 of them. They all had sold signs and they only had like two boats left for sale. And there were other dealers from around the country bringing boats to them and they were being sold before people even saw them. And I obviously don't know because I'm not in that realm, but we're walking around and John goes, oh, this guy has a cable show on bass fishing and this guy here, him and one other guy are the ones that started bass fishing as a professional sport on this date. And these people here do shows and this is one of the top person people in the country. And so the remarkable thing about that is John loves to bass fish. He has his own boat, him and his boys and him and his wife do competition fishing uh, with all the pros. And they were just saying that the first time they came to one of these shows at this store, they said people were in their booths watching pornography, everybody was drinking and all this stuff. And then you fast forward six years, they have their praise and worship team come and sing on the main stage. They have John come and pray at the beginning and at the end to open the show and to close the show. On Sundays, they want him to come and do a service at this big boat show. And uh, we were there and there was no cussing and there was no drinking. And uh, he just, we were just talking and he says, you know, after we started coming and people realized that we were really in, people just started to change. And uh, it was just kind of remarkable for somebody that's running a full-time church and has three very large uh, full-time businesses that employ a lot of people in the Dallas area and have a huge impact. And uh, it's just pretty, pretty amazing what God is doing. And uh, so we can't minimize marketplace people. And, uh, you know, God has great things in store and... Uh, God is letting him do ministry full-time and do ministry full-time, full-time, full-time at, at very large businesses. So it's exciting. I'm, I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm excited. Uh, kind of want to let people know uh, just after what happened in Dallas there, we're going to be having other invites as soon as that happened in Dallas. There's there's catch the fire churches all across the United States. And so we'll probably be doing more traveling. So those that, because of right now, we can't travel internationally, very few places. Uh, we're going to have opportunities to take people with us to uh, other churches and do different trainings for catch the fire churches just right here in the United States. So it's nice when you can leave on a Friday and come home on a Sunday afternoon and, uh, still accomplish great things. And so we're going to have openings for people to go with us to some of these places. And so just be praying about uh, 
if God wants you to go and be a part and then just let us know and we'll see. The flight of Dallas was $51 round trip, so it's way more uh, cost effective than spending 14 days to fly across the world. You can go get your feet wet and then you'll want to go across the world. All right. So we're going to read out of uh, Psalms chapter 2. Give Bruno a moment to turn to there. So the, the, the title of Psalms chapter 2 is The Reign of the Lord's Anointed. Uh, do you know that we're the Lord's anointed? I, I think for so long the church has been taught that this reign is after the second coming of Christ, after the rapture, after everything's all made new, that we get a reign with him and utopia. And uh, I mean, that's just what the church has taught for so many years. And I want us to realize that Jesus told us that we're to bring the kingdom of heaven right here to earth. And even though he wasn't glorified when he was here, he, he was reigning on the earth. <laughs> when he was here, he was taking control of storms. He was conquering sickness and disease just by walking through a place. Just when people touched the clothes he was wearing, people were healed, people were set free. Walking by, people would cry out. Sinners that everybody looked down upon like little Zacchaeus, climbed up in a tree just to look, just to behold Jesus walking into the city. I want you to realize that we're called to rule and reign with Christ. And that all started in the Garden of Eden. It all started in Genesis, where he put Adam and Eve there, and he says, I want you to take control of what's going on here. I want you to name all the animals. I want you to subdue the earth to multiply he wanted us he wanted mankind to rule and reign with him in the garden of eden and that plan has never changed it's still the same today and so when david is writing this he's, he's writing that uh somebody's titled it the reign of the lord's anointed and David says, why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and their rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. I want you to think. You don't even have to understand Hebrew <laughs> to understand that this is part of what's happening today. It's happened many times over, but this is something that's happening right here, right now, today. The kings, the rulers of the earth are, are coming together and what are they doing? They're, they're, they're shutting down what God is trying to do. I mean, this week in Burma, at one protest, they killed 90 people for protesting. Just started slaughtering people 
so they would disperse. And you know what? We've been there and Christians aren't necessarily the most loved and respected and honored people. And they had righteous elected government, but yet the military rulers came in and took over. And look at what's going on right now in China. Once again, they're killing pastors. They're shutting down. Uh, it's always happening on and off in Laos on a, on a monthly basis. It's happening all across India where they're killing whole churches full of people going in and all these people are Christians. They just kill them all. Burn down their houses. See, the enemy's plans have never changed. He just does the same things over and over and over again. And when they, when they rise back up, nobody recognizes them until after it's done. And you go, wow, that's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing that happened here. It's the same thing that happened here. What, what, did, what did Satan do? He rose up and said, oh, I'm going to take control of what's going on here. Our, our granddaughter here, a couple months ago, we took on a thing where every night we watch a super book uh, cartoon. And uh, then sometimes she wants to watch the same one every single night. Let's just watch that one over. Let's just watch that one over. Doesn't want to watch a new one. But there for quite a few <laughs> nights, she always wanted to watch... Uh, the Genesis one and Satan rises up and she looks at the TV and she says, you're a loser. <laughs> you're not going to win. And he turns to Michael, the archangel, and he says, I'm going to take my rightful place. And she goes, yeah, right. <laughs> and you know what? That's that's the attitude we need to have, because you know what? He's already been defeated. Why are we scared? The enemy's already been defeated, but we cave in and we agree with his plan for us. And we want to come against the people that are bringing forth his plan. Maybe the people that are carrying out his plan. But how about if we just start advancing the kingdom? Because you know what? The kingdom of darkness cannot stand in light. We need to be advancing the kingdom and that's the way you combat what's going on. And if you don't believe me, just look at China. I mean, we have, we have a glimpse into China. Just look at China. The more Christians they kill, the more churches that are planted. They go in someplace and they kill 200 and 500 are underground in a week, starting whole new churches. And they're going different places. And, and maybe we don't see it today, but I'm telling you right now is it's going on. We don't really believe it, but you talk to people from China that are Christians, they can cross the border into North Korea and they are sending the gospel across North Korea. And we're never going to hear about that because they would never let us know, even if they did know. But you know what? They're taking whole Bibles and whole curriculums and, and whole teachings in Korean, Chinese are, across the border on micro SD chips. And everybody's putting it on their computers and on their phones. And they pass it around like candy. Don't think that oppressed people are not hearing the gospel. And yet, 
we today are cowering in the corner, worried about what uh, a president, what a congressman, what a senator, what people are doing. And I'm not saying that that's unimportant, but what I'm saying is the most important thing is, is when we bring the kingdom of heaven, things change in the natural. When we change stuff in the spiritual, stuff changes in the natural. I'm not saying lay down. Don't, don't go there. In verse 3, he says, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away every cord from us. We, we need to be breaking off those cords. We need to be breaking off those chains that are holding us back. We need to be breaking off the distraction. We can be focused on this spiritual battle because that's really what it is. We're seeing the natural fruit, but it's a spiritual battle. And I got to tell you, if you cut it off at the spiritual level, all the fruit dies. If you bring that lightning down from heaven and you split the tree, there's no more apples on it in a few weeks. Yeah, there'll still be some apples. And yeah, there might be one little sprout that survives. But I guarantee you the number of apples that comes off that tree is not going to ever be the same. Because it's going to kill the tree at the very heart. Verse 4 says, he who sits in heaven laughs. And the Lord holds them in desertion. Der derision, sorry. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them with his fury as saying, As for me, I have set my kings on Zion and on my holy hill. And I will tell the decree the Lord says to me, you are my sons and today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your heritage and to the ends of the earth your possession. And you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. You see what God says? Even though all the kings are plotting, even though all the spiritual battles going on, even though we can see it manifest in the natural, even though there's this roaring toothless lion out there screaming at us, telling us that they're going to devour us. Do you realize to be devoured? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There is, there is no win. Jesus already showed that. There was no win. Yes, we killed him. And three days later, he was walking around. It only took three short days and they realized that what they did actually made things 100% worse. It, it, it set it in stone. It set the final nail in the coffin, so to speak. See, when all that's going on, what does it say God does? He who sits in heaven laughs. He's like, what are they thinking? Right. You're a loser. You know what? If God can laugh at something, how come we can't laugh at it? 
I mean, this isn't the only place, but, you know, we make plans and we make schedules and, and we decide what's going to happen and God sits in heaven and laughs. When the kings are plotting against his kingdom, he laughs. Why? Because he's already won. It, it's a losing battle. Satan came and tempted Jesus. I'm going to give you all this. He laughs. I'm the creator of the universe. <laughs> I was there. I was there when you were created. It says the Lord will speak to them in his wrath and terrifying them in his fury. Here's part of the, the good news, bad news is. It doesn't say he's going to bring down fire from heaven. And devour them all. He doesn't say, I'm going to utterly wipe them out. You know why? Because we still serve a loving, caring God. And all those that are so much against what he's doing, he's still for them. He sent his son to die for each and every one of them. And so us thinking that God is going to totally wipe people out, you're going down the wrong path. We need to be praying that God would put righteous, spirit-filled leaders around those people that would have inroads into speaking into their life. That's how things will change. My, my dear friend Ajay from Thailand, uh, he's a scholar among scholars. And he's a part of a, a program. It's the Habakkuk, right? Yeah, it's a Habakkuk program. And these wealthy businessmen from around the world, years back, purchased a five-star resort in Hawaii. And they bring scholars. And he's one of them they bring in. And they bring in world leaders. People that are leaders in government in some way, short, some way, shape, or fashion, high-up leaders, and they bring them to Hawaii for two weeks, and they share the gospel with them in a very educated, very uh, pronounced way where they're treating them like royalty, they're treating them like the kings and queens and, and leaders, states of, of countries, and their whole goal is, is if you get the leaders saved, then the leaders are obviously going to change the way the countries are governed. And you know what? They do it two times a year over there, and they get over a hundred and some dignitaries two times a year to come. Now, not all of them are changed, but I got to tell you, they're radically impacted, even if they're not changed. Even if they don't buy into what's being said, they feel and they experience and they are part of the love of God in a way where they've never been like, where nobody's screaming at them, they're loving on them and they're sharing truth with them about how they can go back and change their countries. About how God can help them change their circumstances for their people. And some of those rulers aren't necessarily countries that you'd want to go to. But yet they're taking them and they're treating them 
like God would want them to be treated. Showing them the love and the respect. You know, God wants to decree to us that we're his sons and daughters. In this psalm, he's saying, you know what? The rulers are raging. It's a given. They're, they're plotting against us. They're plotting against us personally. They're plotting against us in the natural. They're plotting against our families. They're plotting against our children. They're plotting against our education. They're plotting against our money. They're plotting against our way of life, no matter where we're at. Nobody can deny that. You can see example after example after example that have hard facts. But in the midst of that, God says to David, <laughs> you are my sons, you are my daughters. And he says, today I've begotten you. Because why? Because you know when you just hear about David, David's crying out to God. David's crying out to God. Don't you see what's going on? And he says, of course I'm seeing what's going on. You want to know what's going on? Here's what's going on. The kings are plotting against. Everything's going against. Everything you stand for, everything I stand for, everything that's in your DNA is crying out. This is an offense. How many of us feel that way in what's going on even right now? People want to control us. They want to do all those things. But you know what? God tells him, the first thing he tells him is, you know what? You're my son. You're my daughter. I've begotten you. You know what he's saying? I'm the king of the universe and you're with me. <laughs> you're my children. And when you're with the king, then you have all the king's authority. When you're a son or daughter of the king, you get treated different than everybody else. Many times, uh, God just has this way of doing stuff full circle. You listen to Caitlin's dream. You listen to Taylor's dream. I was more excited about Taylor's dream riding a motorcycle than I was about Caitlin's dream talking with truckers and <laughs> signing for packages and just being honest here. There's something about eating bugs that I kind of enjoy. Right, Manuel, Stacy? Sean, wherever he's at, he likes to eat bugs too. Roland and Heidi Baker were very highly educated Christians and God called them to Mozambique. And they went to Mozambique and I don't remember the exact number of years, but they went there, they knew God had called them there and they went and they found a place and they started church. And it was hard. It was brutal. It was a Muslim country, hardcore Muslim at that time. And I don't remember exactly. It was a long time. They were there. And in all this time, God had showed them before, all this is going to happen. 
You know, you're just going to plant churches. People are going to be saved. I'm going to do signs, wonders, and miracles. And it wasn't something that they were necessarily involved with. Signs, wonders, and miracles to them at that time was not the same as it is to them today. You know? And so they're there. And years pass. And they have two churches. And they're burnt out. They just can't. They're... They're moving, they're moving, they're moving, and it's one step forward, five steps back. One step forward, five steps back, and the hole's just getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And they're ready to give up on life. They're ready to give up on the ministry. They're ready just to come back home with their tail between their legs. And they heard about this thing going on in Toronto, Canada, at the airport vineyard. And they went. And they went there totally burnt out. They went there totally at the end of their rope. They went there just, I have to give up. And God met them. And I don't remember the exact numbers of days. I think it was at least five to six days. Heidi fell down at the front under the power of God and didn't get up off the floor. They had to carry her, put her in the car, carry her back to the place they were staying, lay her down. She was zero function. It was just like when somebody gets slain in the spirit, only she never came out of it. And so what did they do? They didn't take her to the doctor. They just took her back every morning, took her over to the side and just laid her down on the floor. <laughs> stayed there all day, stayed there through lunch, stayed there through dinner. After the night meetings were over, they'd pick her up, carry her back to the car. They would take her back to the place they were staying, bring her back in the morning and they did the same thing every day. I've heard her share this story multiple times, both in person and in different places. And uh, she just said that she was crying out to God, God, you promised me Mozambique and, and we're here. And I don't even remember the name of the province because it really doesn't matter. But we're here and you're not doing what you said you were going to do. And this is, you know, we want it no matter what it costs. And you know that we've been there. We've poured out our whole hearts. How many people have tried stuff like that? And you think you've poured out your whole heart. And one thing I just remember her saying over and over and over is God quoted this scripture to her and said, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and to the ends of the earth, your possession. And she wasn't getting it. And finally, after I don't know how many times he told her this over the time she was out, finally he said, why are you asking for this town? Why are you asking for Lafayette when I've given you the whole entire country? You see what I'm saying? You're asking for something and that's not what I'm giving you. You're asking for one little province, one little tiny place in Mozambique. But my promise is I've given you the nations as your inheritance. And even to the ends of the earth. How many times are we asking God for stuff? And we don't want to ask too big. So we're willing to settle for something small. But you know what? Sometimes to have something small 
we really have to understand what the big is because then the small really becomes insignificant because it's enveloped in the whole. It's almost like having a little tiny eyedropper and we want water and we would just love to have that one drop of water, but God wants to give us a whole swimming pool. And you know what? When you take that dropper and you put that one drop in the swimming pool, that drop is insignificant. More than that is going to evaporate in the next two minutes. You see what I'm saying? Here he's encouraging David. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. Our job is to bring the kingdom of heaven here to earth. Our job is to realize that we're sons and daughters of the Most High. Our job is not to change the earth, it's to subdue the earth, it's to occupy the earth. And we can't do that by fighting. The Roman Empire, man, they had it together and they were taking over the earth. But what happened? It didn't last forever. You lose your might. You lose your steam. There's always going to be somebody bigger. There's always going to be a David that's going to come out and slay a Goliath in the natural. You can be the greatest superpower in the earth and one little tiny country with a few nuclear bombs can take you out and make you insignificant in a second. Our fight isn't against flesh and blood. We need to be taking back from the principalities and powers that have been ruling here for too long. The principalities and powers have been ruling, and you know what? We're giving them their power. Why? Because we're acknowledging them, and we're giving them credit for everything bad going on around us. Oh, the devil made them do it. Oh, the enemy's against me. Oh, the enemy's stealing my, my income. Oh, the enemy is letting people get promoted before me. Oh, it's not that way. It's that way because we're cowering and we're serving and we're handing everything over. says you're going to break them with a rod of iron and dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. Verse 10 he says, Now therefore, O kings, be wise and be warned. O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with the trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in a way For his wrath is quickly kindled, and blessed are those who take refuge, refuge in him. See, it's our job to pray for our rulers, wicked or not, not agree with what they're doing. It's our job to pray for the rulers, and what does God say? He's going to bring them to their knees. You've got to realize, at one point or another, it's either here or there. They're going to bow their knee. But he wants to give them opportunity to bow here. So that they can change stuff here. So they can be a part of ushering in the kingdom. In the United States we have rights. 
We have all of our amendment rights. People can try and take those rights. People can legislate and people can do things. But you know what? They can't take our kingdom rights. There's no Supreme Court. There's no Senate. (laughs) There's no House. There's no Republicans. There's no Democrats. There's the king. And what he has said is going to come to pass, period. And you can bend it. You can try and slow it down. You can try and change the time frame. You can try and do all those things. And I want to tell you, if the very angels that served with him in heaven, when they came down and they tried to change the outcome in the very beginning, it didn't work out so well. And throughout history, It happened over and over and over again. And this next week, we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. And you know what? They tried again and they thought, this is the victory of all victories. When you read some of the history books from that time, that have nothing to do with Christianity. They just have to do with Roman history. You know... Those Roman guards were freaked out when the sky got black. (laughs) And they, you know, it just talks about them being scared. Some people say, you know, it was, it had never happened. They'd killed thousands of people that way and never had the sky just gone black when they've done something like that. They realized, hey, maybe there's some truth to what they said about this one. There had to be fear and trembling within them. Why? Because they were killing people every day. That was their job. But this one was different. This one didn't fight. This one didn't complain. This one didn't (laughs) claim his innocence. And very nature itself testified that it was a sad day. We need to be walking in the fullness of what God has for us. I'm sharing what, what, what happened with Heidi because God's been bringing that word over and over to me. And you don't have to fall down when somebody prays for you. You don't have to. Some people think that that's the end all to end all. It's it's not the end all to end all. It's not bad if it happens. It's not bad if it doesn't happen. God can still touch you. God still is touching you. And uh, so when you go places, when Roland Baker prays for people, it's like Benny Hinn on steroids because I've seen people just don't nicely just fall over. I've seen people fly through the air with the greatest of ease. No trapeze, no under. I've been places where he walks in the back of the room and people that don't even know he's there all just start falling over forward. And he's like me. He kind of... He has a lot of fun with that sometimes. (laughs) But it's kind of a strange thing because... I can catch for Roland all day long. And no matter how many times he touches me, I've never fallen when Roland's touched me. And everybody else in the whole room will be on the floor. I don't know what it is. It isn't that I don't get touched. It isn't that I don't get rocked. It isn't that I don't get changed. It isn't that God doesn't 
overwhelm me. But when I was in uh, Taiwan with Heidi and Bill and Roland, I got prayed for. I never fell down. Everybody was on the ground before we play, prayed. And so I would just walk up to people and they would fall down. I was loving it. It was like the Roland thing. And you didn't have to ask anybody what they wanted prayer for because nobody could stand in front of you. And so it didn't matter how long the line got. You could just walk down the line and most people fell before you ever got there. And it was anybody that knows me. That was a whole lot of fun. People wouldn't get in the elevator with me at the hotel. People wouldn't sit next to me on the bus. People would never get in that airlock leaving the hotel because they would all be laid out on the floor. But I was sitting in the front row and Heidi got up and I don't know if you've ever seen Heidi speak. Heidi gets up and she gets ready to speak and everybody's on the edge of their seat and she goes, I'm just going to worship. And she gets down on the floor and lays down the thing and She's just up there speaking in tongues and singing and having her own little private time in front of everybody. And everybody's like, you know, we came all the way here from here, there and everywhere to see you. And you're just up here doing this. And I was sitting in the front row over the far right hand side. And Heidi goes, I can tell you exactly. She goes, before I get to my message, I'm just going to share a testimony of God's goodness. And I was out of my chair and on my face. I couldn't move. I just went straight down. Nobody was there to catch me right on the concrete floor. And I heard her whole message. And her whole message was just testimonies about things God had done the week before she came there. And it was like crazy. I won't share the whole thing. But at the end, she goes, well, I want my prayer team to come up and pray. And so I'm trying to get up off the floor. And when I open my eyes and I can actually see all of a sudden, you know, I kind of felt like Paul. I was blind. I couldn't move. When I open my eyes, there's people laying on top of me. <laughs> and I didn't even know it. I'm having to get people crawl out from underneath people. I look all the way down the aisle. There's people on top of people. Every aisle up on the second floor, up on the third floor. It's like a basketball stadium. Everybody's laid out on the steps. Everybody's laid out on the rails. People are on top of each other. And you know what? I didn't even realize what happened. Why? Because God showed up with the word of a testimony of the goodness of what he had done. And there was such power when she shared the testimony that you knew, that you knew, that you knew that God was the only one that could do it. And you know what? That's where our faith needs to be. You want to come up? The Reader Digest version of her testimony was, she was doing a conference for pastors. She started inviting people. And her team, in usual fashion, even though they walk with her every day of the week, or just like the 12 apostles. <laughs> She's saying, we're going to do this. And they said, okay, Heidi, we, we have enough here to deal with 100 pastors. So immediately they have 100 pastors coming. And then she just keeps inviting. They said, Heidi, we don't have food to feed these pastors. She goes, okay. And she keeps inviting 
So pretty soon they're up to like 500 pastors coming. Uh, Heidi, we're going to have to go into the orphans food that's stored that we're feeding the orphans that live here. And then we're still not going to have enough food. And Heidi goes, that's nice. And she invites more people. The thing was, it never stopped. And even though they had seen people provide for her every time, <laughs> they'd seen God come through, it actually reached like the extreme, extreme, extreme tipping point. And they're saying, we can go in something crazy like a 100 kilometer radius, take all the food from every base that we're over, and we don't have enough food for just the ones you've invited. She said, that's nice. Because she never wants to turn away the one. They get a phone call and somebody calls and says, is this Heidi Baker? And she goes, they get her and they put her on the phone and said, we have a cargo ship down here at the ocean that's full of groceries. And these people are no longer going to accept the shipment and we have a load to take back to someplace else. And so they said, you have a place, will you take this? And she said, sure. And it was something crazy like two or three hundred containers. And so she goes, yes, I'll take it. And they said, good, it needs to be off the dock by such and such a day. <laughs> and then... Everybody that was worried about the food is like, Heidi, you can't do this. How are we going to get that off the dock? Now that belongs to us, so now we're going to start accruing dock fees. And then they get another call. Hey, we have some trucks, and we were down here to pick up some, we dropped off some stuff, and we're coming back, and do you have anything down here at the dock you need brought back? And... So now they end up with all these trucks on an ongoing basis now that are bringing these containers up to where they're at. And then her loving staff immediately says, Heidi, what do we do with all this? We can't even fit it all on the base. You know, where are we going to store all this? We have to give them the containers back. We have to take everything out. And this is literally what happened. A man in a super nice car pulls up out front and he says, it's Heidi Baker here. And they actually have gates. And he wanted Heidi to come out. So everybody's scared because they kill people and stuff. And so when she comes out, he's not going to leave his car because he knows if he leaves his car, even if he goes in for five minutes, there'll be no tires, there'll be no seats, there'll be no, they'll pilfer the car right there right in front of them. So she comes out, the guy rolls down his window just a little bit, hands her an envelope and drives off. She opens up the envelope and there's a set of keys and a deed to a warehouse. Doesn't even know who this is. When they got done giving every single pastor, packing every single car to the roof, tying down stuff on their roofs, filling their trunks, filling their passenger seats, filling their dashboards, literally. She had some pictures. Filling every truck of every person that came. They filled every place they could get to within a certain mile radius. They filled all their storehouses. When they got done, it filled that warehouse all the way to the door where they barely had room to close the door. 
And you know what? She just never gave up because God told her to do something. And even though it wasn't the whole picture, when more people came, she couldn't tell somebody no. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on what he said. Don't give up by looking at today's current circumstances. Don't give up by your ability. Don't give up by your, by your provision. Don't give up by what you see with your own eyes. If he's called you to do something, he's going to do it. When she shared that testimony, God threw me out of my seat. Why? Because he said, you need to hear this. You maybe thought you came to Taiwan to do one thing. No, you came to Taiwan because I want to do something in you and to you and through you. I don't know 100% what that means, but I know that we have to dream bigger. I know we have to think bigger. I know we have to be out of the box and we can no longer just be occupying a seat and dropping money in a basket. We need to be bringing the kingdom of heaven here to earth. We need to be inviting people. We need to be his hand extended. So if that's what you want in your life, if you want to walk out that testimony in your own life, in your own way, in what he has for you, I just want you to just stand up and come up front right now. Lord, right now I just break off doubt in people's lives. And Lord, I speak breath. Lord, I just speak the power of the testimony. Your word says... <laughs> that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So Lord, right now, I just speak destiny over each and every person here. Lord, I, I just speak for those things to be unlocked. Lord, may our focus be solely and wholly on you. May it no longer be on what's going on around us, but may it be on what you've called us to do. May it be on the things we're called to do today and now. Lord, may we be the one that invites the one. And then maybe the five, and we say, how do we get them all here? And then maybe the ten. Maybe we're going to reach people, Lord. You know what you put in people's hearts. And Lord, I just ask for a release in that right now. A release, a release, a release, a release.